five, four, three, two, one. Welcome. You have entered the Kai Corso Experience. What's going on, Kane Corso family? It's your boy, Johnny Doe, coming at you with another episode of the Kane Corso Experience. This is a podcast for the everyday Kane Corso owner, just a regular pet owner that wants to get the most out of their relationship with their Kane Corso. This podcast is not geared for uh, breeders or people who show dogs or uh, any one specific thing. Not saying you can't enjoy it if you're not those things, but this is mainly geared for people that are relatively new to the breed, um, that are trying to get some general information, some tips, some tricks, um, or people in the community that just want to hear about and uh, support the Kane Corso community. Um, the big thing, the big takeaway from my podcast is this. I am not a professional trainer. I am not a professional behaviorist. I am not a vet. I am not someone that's a certified canine nutritionist. So any advice that I give is my opinion and my opinion only. And I say this because um, people sometimes get the impression that the only way you can have an opinion on something is if you're a professional. Uh, and the thing that I say all the time is uh, you will see people that give advice about parenting that aren't professional parents. What is a professional parent? <laughs> exactly. That's my point. You as a dog owner have a responsibility to be um, at a very high level of understanding, training, understanding dog behaviors, health, nutrition, and the likes if you own this breed and want to get the most out of your experience of having a Connie Corso. That's my opinion and my opinion only. If you share my opinion, please uh, relax, get comfortable, and enjoy the podcast, okay? Uh, if you want to interact with the podcast, the best way to do it is probably Instagram, the Connie Corso X on Instagram. Uh, I'll talk about certain training methods or behaviors or just general everyday life with a Kane Corso. I'll upload pictures and videos usually there. I also have a Facebook page, Johnny Doe, D-O-D-O-U-G-H, um, or the Kane Corso Experience uh, on Facebook. I'll also upload some pictures and videos and and discussions, and I, I usually, a lot of people contact me on Facebook Messenger as well. Um but without further ado, let's get into today's topics. Okay, today there's not a one or two main topics that are, are really um, digging on me that I want to talk about. I want to talk about some generalities, okay? Um, before we get into the general stuff, I always start with, I don't want to say always, but at the beginning of the show... I talk about my official unofficial sponsors. And what a an official unofficial sponsor is, unofficially, is uh, the first thing I want you to realize is I don't make money on this podcast. I, I'm not paid to say anything. I'm not endorsed. I don't tell anybody to use a product because somebody tells me to or pays me. So if I endorse a product, if I say, hey, uh, this is a product that you should go check out, it's merely because I spent my hard-earned money on it and I like it and and I want to tell people about it. That's it. And so this isn't a necessarily a product, but there's a new show on Netflix called The Canine In Interventionist or In Canine Intervention, maybe, something like that. Uh, it's this dude in Oakland that's uh, that trains a lot of uh, dogs and his dog behavior type stuff. And there's only a few episodes up. And I'm not going to say it's the greatest show ever or the best uh, dog trainer I've ever seen or anything like that. I think um, as Connie Corso owners and dog owners, you should consume as much information as you can. If you solely get all your information from this podcast, um, 
I shed a tear for you because there's so much information out there and there's, um, it's not better or worse information, it's just different information, okay? And what I love about this show is it's a guy that has a, you know, his own perspective on how to train dogs. And I, and I don't see anything um, that is counter to my belief system on how to uh, shape behaviors and have structure and discipline and all the things that I preach uh, on this podcast. So I think it's a good show to watch. The visuals are, are always good, the visual aspect of it. Um, you've heard my criticisms of dog shows before, and my my one criticisms, no matter if it's Caesar Milan or um, there's a plethora of other dog-related sh- shows, it's that they always wrap things up in a single episode in the sense of like, I have a problem with a dog, I take the dog, I give it some training, I give it back to the owners, problem solved, the end, we all live happily ever after. And even though they might not say that, maybe they might say it's going to take structure, discipline, it's going to take a regiment, blah, blah, blah. A lot of times it gets lost, I think, on the viewer because they see that the problem gets solved in 30 minutes and in their mind that that's the kind of results they're looking for. And if you go into it with that mentality, um, you're setting yourself up for failure because it is a commitment. And that kind of goes into the main topic that I wanted to talk about. It's um, understanding what you're getting into and probably the number one question people ask me is, um, what's the number one thing to avoid? Or what's the number one thing, what's the most important aspect of um, structure, discipline, training? Uh, What is the one thing that you wish you knew maybe before getting the breed? What's the one tip that you can give? People are always looking for that, that, you know, the, the term that people use now is that life hack. You know, that easy button solution. And I would probably say... You know, the number one mistake people make before, and, and I'm going to broaden this out to not just Connie Corsos, but just all dogs in general. And I don't think people understand sometimes why it's important to research the breed before you get into having a dog. And specifically the Connie Corso because it is... It has a particular set of traits that I don't understand why someone would get that breed if they're not looking for those traits, okay? If they're wanting something counter to those traits. So um, the thing that I noticed the most on like the Connie Corso forums on Facebook, um, when I see people comment about, their Connie Corso, they say, I need help. My Connie Corso is doing X, Y, and Z, and I don't want it to. And there's sometimes that X, Y, and Z are normal breed characteristics that I don't understand. Like somebody was saying, how um, do um, the bark collars work? Because my dog is barking at people that walk by my fence. And I've, and I don't understand like, well, that's, kind of the trait of the breed is they're a guardian breed. Now, excessive barking is something completely different, but this person was specifically talking about how do I get my dog to stop barking at, at people coming by? Now, excessive barking, like I said, is a different subject, but I'm not going to lie to you guys, okay? I don't know a lot about uh, the bark collars, but I know I don't like them. And it might be because of my own ignorance. But I don't like something that um, artificially stops a dog from barking without stopping the behavior um, that triggers or the, the instinct that leads to the behavior that leads to them actually barking. Like... Are you trying to make your dog not protective or like, I don't, I don't understand the point of having a dog 
that is bred for a very specific purpose and then not wanting your dog to do that. People that have cattle dogs that say, I don't want my dog to have high energy and to uh, you know, try to herd certain things or chase certain things or whatever. I don't understand why you would have specific breeds um, if you don't if 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 you don't want certain traits, okay? So I would probably say the number one issue in the dog community is people do not know what they're getting themselves into. And that's just a general statement. You'll see people, um, I mean, go buy a dog shelter and think about this. Look at all the dogs at your local animal shelter and know that 100% of those dogs were owned by somebody. I shouldn't say 100%, but probably 99%. Because there might be some that were just born in the, you know, like strays gave birth and they grew up on the street or whatever. But 99% of those dogs were owned by somebody and they could not handle them for some reason. Now, I understand there's lots of circumstances, but it should be such a rare thing, okay? Have you ever met somebody that's been adopted? You probably have. I know I have. But it's rare. Probably out of 100 people that you meet, maybe two or three of them were adopted. But if you go to a dog park, probably 50% of those dogs are rescues, meaning someone else gave them up. Okay? And the other 50% that they got from a breeder or a pet store or whatever, there's a large percentage, and I'm not going to spout off like I know the percentage, but there's a large percentage of those people, if it's they're a new dog owner, especially if they're a first-time dog owner, there's a large percentage of those people that will not have that dog within a year. They will give it up. Now, this is a huge problem in our society. Huge. And if you ever watch a show that talks about um, just the the statistics on people giving up dogs, it's it's heart-wrenching, especially if you're like me and you're a dog lover. There's websites that are dedicated to specific breeds, um, like Connie Corso Rescue and stuff like that. Um, I just saw somebody on Facebook today that said that they rescued a Connie Corso who's two years old and they're having all kinds of behavior issues with it and socialization problems. And 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 that's to be expected. Why Why do I say that? Well, someone gave it up for a reason. And it's not because, you know, there's a there's a dog trainer on YouTube. I can't remember his name. But his motto is no bad dogs. And I like him. Um, like every other dog trainer, I think all of them have some valid, um, as long as they, you know, they, they, they all come from the same place is that you have to have a regimented structure for your dog. If you, if, if you come in from that world, then, then I'm probably going to buy what you're selling. And because everybody's methods, you know, vary. Um, but I, I like anybody that says, Hey, listen, this is not a problem dog. This was a problem owner that turned that dog that, that encouraged the wrong thing and didn't, wasn't a very good pack leader. And so this dog is its survival instincts have kicked in and that's why it's aggressive or shy or scared or fearful or whatever. And I'm a big believer in that. I'm not saying that there's no bad dogs, but you're probably never going to meet one. It's such a rare thing that someone that a dog is just genetically fucked up and it's just a complete asshole. And I apologize for using a swear word. <laughs> I try to keep this family friendly. So I apologize if uh if uh you had little ones listening, but I get passionate about um when I start talking about the care of 
that people sometimes neglect to give their dogs. And the dog isn't messed up from birth. It usually something messes it up. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have genetic hurdles that you have to get over. I'm getting over some of those with my two dogs right now or always. I mean, that's just part of it. Genetically, um, my predisposition is different than, let's say, my wife's, but it doesn't mean that we can't both have the same standard of treating people with de- decency and, and, and be courteous. And, and even though my default setting is a little bit more aggressive than hers, it doesn't mean that I can't, um, I can't function in the world like a normal human being, right? Well, it's the same thing with our dogs. But when people don't do enough research, and you don't have to be a subject matter expert on all dogs, this is what I want from people. And this is what I want all my listeners to encourage people that are looking to get dogs. And especially if you're someone that is looking to get a Connie Corso, I can tell you right now, you're already one of the good ones because you're listening to this. And it doesn't mean that because you're listening to me, I just mean that you're listening to something that you think is going to inform you about your decision that you're about to make. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to take accountability. And so the number one thing that people do wrong is they got to figure out, one, they start with, I want a dog. And then they start going, these are the, the attributes that I want from a dog. Okay? But they don't stop to think about why they want the dog. Why do you want the dog? Okay? So after you decide you want a dog, you have to decide why you want it. Is it companionship? Is it personal protection? A dog to exercise with? Uh, a family pet? Um, you know, a myriad of other reasons, I guess, that you might have for getting a dog. Could be emotional support or uh, because you're an empty nester and you, you want another living creature to take care of. There's a whole bunch of reasons why. So that's the first thing is why do I want it? And then once you understand why you want it, then you can kind of start tailoring a dog that if you say, I want a dog that will go out and exercise with me all the time. You might not want to get certain breeds. An English bulldog is probably not the breed for you if you're wanting to go run in a couple miles every day. Okay? So where people go wrong is usually in this step. Is they say, I want a dog. And then step number two is why I want a dog. And they... And they don't understand why they really want a dog. Sometimes they want it for a, a completely selfish purpose of, I want a cute dog that's furry and cuddly. And they're thinking of something that they want or need and never really thinking about the next thing, which is what are you willing to give that dog and are you willing to give what it wants and what it needs, you know, more importantly than what it wants, what it needs? Because uh, it's a it's a two-way street just like any other relationship. And so you see people say, I want this dog because it's cute. That is not a very good why. Or um, Connie Corsos and Pit Bulls and other Mastiff type, you have, uh, you know, you see women that will want, um, dogs, like maybe they're little teacup dogs they can carry around in a purse or whatever and they're accessories. Well, guys are just as bad. And there's guys that want dogs that exude masculinity or power or strength. And there's women that, that are the same way, but I'm just giving a generalization just for conversation purposes, so don't get offended. Um, but let's just say you're that dude um, that you say, hey, I want I like this dog that looks mean. I'll put a spike collar on him and and uh, I want people to be scared of my dog or whatever else. So that's where you start running into problems is because the why is there's an, an inferiority to the why. 
there, there are some whys that are superior to others. So if you're just wanting something that looks tough that you can put in your Instagram pictures next to your car, that's not a good why. And when those people get those dogs that look mean and tough, a lot of times they are mean and tough and they take a certain type of personality and pack leader to be able to um, control that dog, to handle that dog. And if you get a dog for the wrong reason, then almost every time it's not going to work out. And especially with the breed of a Cane Corso, this, this guy said it perfect on Facebook where he said, I think everybody should get a Cane Corso who wants one that is passionate about the breed. Now, you can interpret that a couple different ways. You can say, well, that's, I don't think everybody should get one. No, I, I agree with what I think he was trying to say is if you're passionate about the breed of the Cane Corso, you're going to be willing to put in the work. Because passion usually equates to, I don't mind doing this. I don't mind putting in the work. If you're passionate about uh, making music, you're, you're probably going to want to actually work to get better. If you're passionate about building houses, you're going to be researching and learning and, and constantly being a student of, to try to get better at it. So if you don't have a passion, the Connie Corso breed might not be for you. Okay, I'm just being honest because there are certain dogs you can get away with them just being an accessory. And it doesn't mean you won't have behavior problems, but you the behavior problems might not be as severe. But I can tell you right now, if you get the wrong Cane Corso for the wrong reasons, it's going to wind up in a shelter or something worse. And... You have to understand that going into it. You have to be committed. Because here's the thing is I've run into every problem that you can run into in my training because I've said it before. I am not the best trainer in the world. But what I'm really good at is, I, is I'm really good at understanding dog behavior. And what I don't understand is going out and doing the research and finding out answers and solutions and trying new things leaving no stone unturned and I'm extremely committed and diligent. I don't give up. And not being a very uh, good trainer, I'm, I'm able to overcome that with perseverance because I don't quit on my dogs. And if you have a never quit attitude, and you're willing to uh, put yourself out there and you're willing to do the research and you're willing to do everything that you can, then you have a chance. And here's the thing. I did, you know, a year's worth of research before I got a Conant Corso. I mean, a legit year where I was even talking to breeders and stuff a year before I got one, trying to, you know, find uh, what, you know, what is best for me. But do as much research as you can. If you find a good breeder, they will be honest with you. Some breeders will encourage you um, to get one and never really ask even a question about your lifestyle. A good breeder will say, well, what's your lifestyle? And I'll tell you whether or not this is a good fit for you. Much like a good uh, car salesman isn't going to try to sell you a Corvette if you have four kids and you need to take them to soccer practice. He's going to try to sell you an SUV. Um you know, so on and so forth. So doing your research and understanding, you know, why you're getting it, but also understanding your own limits. And one thing I knew is this, is that I knew that Connie Corso was challenging. I knew that there was people that said, hey, you know, this is not for the faint of heart. I mean, everything I listened to said, do not get this dog if you're a first time dog owner. And being a dog owner for 30 plus years, I said, I want this challenge. So my why was one, I wanted a challenge. Two, I wanted something that was not going to be super easy. And three, 
I w- was extremely attracted to all the traits that are stereotypical of a Cane Corso. Mainly the supreme loyalty was number one. How much that they adore their family. That kind of goes with the loyalty and them being a protective guardian breed. And I like big dogs. Okay. They had high energy. They have relatively good health. Um, And when I say high energy, it's more moderate, but I mean, high energy, especially for the Mastiff breeds, they're, they're one of the higher energy and they are a sound working dog. Those are all the things that I was looking for. But I also know if you have a strong driven dog, especially the working breed, that you're going to have some struggles in your training. I knew that going into it. I did a lot of research, but I was extremely committed. And I can tell you right now, I made a ton of mistakes. That's one of the reasons why I started this podcast because I go, man, I've learned so much um, by having to correct some of the mistakes I made before. And especially because I was able to correct 99% of them. um, And I've had a great experience, ownership experience with Romulus I wanted to share some of those stories, say, hey, uh, you know, I didn't realize how important this was. I thought this was more important. I focused on this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm able to articulate that. Romulus has made me not only a better trainer, but a better dog owner, more responsible and understanding my role as a pack leader on a completely different level than I had before. And I always thought I was pretty good with dogs, but Romulus showed me that I still had some growing to do and that I could get to a whole nother level. And 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 so I got something out of it. I'm one of those people, I don't mind putting in the work as long as um as long as as I know that I'm I'm gonna be getting something out of it. Um that is I, I like the idea of getting something that is hard. Because it makes me feel good that, oh man, not everybody can do this. But I can tell you, everybody can be a successful Kane Corso owner if they have the right mindset going into it, the right personality type, and that dog's attributes fit with your lifestyle. So when you say, Johnny, what's the number one mistake people make? It's that they don't cross-analyze their needs in their life versus what this breed stereotypically needs. And if those needs don't align, it ain't going to work. Okay? I hate to say that, but it isn't. Your dog needs certain things. And if you're not willing or able to provide those things, then you need to move on to something else. There's plenty of people in the world that aren't very good at taking care of dogs. They're called cat people. <laughs> they have cats for a reason because cats kind of take care of themselves. And I'm not even joking, okay? It's a different world when you own cats than you, when you own dogs, okay? And your Connie Corso might be completely different than Romulus, but I guarantee there's a lot of similarities that they probably have. But you have to expect the worst. And so when I was doing my research, I said, what is the worst case scenario from this dog? Like if you do everything wrong, what's it going to be? Can you fix it? All this other stuff, right? And so I started with that and I worked backwards and said, okay, so what happens when I get a dog that has this issue? Or what happens when he's fearful? What happens when he... So I always came back to they are supremely loyal if you are a strong pack leader. And I knew I could be a strong pack leader. I knew I, you know, uh, with all my years in the military and 30 years of dog experience, I've never had a problem being that that pack leader. So I knew that I had the personality for it. I knew that I had the will. I knew I had the desire because I, I enjoy spending a lot of time with my dog. I knew I had, I was uh, in good enough shape to exercise with him. I knew that that uh, I had the demeanor. I wasn't frightened of dogs. I, I didn't have any of those attributes. And 
because of that is why I feel the um, joy of ownership that I do now. Now, Romulus, like I said before, he's not perfect, but there's no such thing as a perfect dog. Everybody has their little quirks and you need to learn to work around them. And what I love more than anything is every day uh, we're progressing with something else. And every day is an opportunity for him to learn something else. And every day I get to reinforce those things that he's already learned. And it feels good to know that uh, that you're putting in that work. And so if you do the research and you find this is the right dog for me and you're committed, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. But if you are not committed and you don't understand that it's going to take a diligent amount of work and you're not willing to do what you need to do, it's going to be a struggle. And if you don't have the right mentality or personality, dog ownership in general could be a struggle for you. And so when I started this show talking about that show on Netflix, uh, the dog intervention show, watching that stuff reinforces the need for that good structure, discipline, understanding what you're getting into because most people that are on shows like that, you know, here's the thing, you know, uh, going to break down the fourth wall a little bit. Not that I have any insider information, but it's just common knowledge if you watch these shows. Watch Caesar Milan, any of his shows, or watch this, or watch anybody else on YouTube that's training dogs. And especially if there's like a, you know, if it's like this Netflix show where it's highly produced and stuff, you know, of course, they're scouting for people that they fit the criteria of, hey, I can I can help this people these people and it would be a, a good episode. There's one similarity. And that similarity is is they're always helping people that know nothing about dogs. They don't understand their dog's behavior. So they don't understand how to correct it. They don't understand proper training techniques like timing of, of marking and rewarding of even where you start. Most of the time, they have no discipline, no structure. A lot of times, they're not even exercising the dog. They're, and they're encouraging all the bad behaviors. And so it's very easy for someone to swoop in and with a couple weeks, man, just turn that dog around and it's great TV, right? That's the one thing um, that I that I take away is if you're in over your head, there's hope. Because if you learn the keys and somebody gives you a nugget that that resonates that you can turn into something, you can make very fast progress. And what those shows teach me is never lose hope. So that lady on Facebook that I saw that has a two-year-old uh, Connie Corso that she rescued and has all kinds of behavior issues and it bit somebody and she called a professional, which is, I commend her. But it doesn't stop there. You have to learn from that professional and you have to implement all those things that they're teaching and whatever structure and discipline they provided to that dog to get those results, you need to be willing and able to replicate or it ain't going to work. So that's why you hear on this podcast all the time, I say commitment is key. You have to be committed to the process. And if you are regimented, you are disciplined, and you are consistent and persistent, you will get results. But don't think for a second that it's going to happen quickly. If it does, that's awesome. Like I said, I start with what's the worst case scenario, and it's great if you can teach a dog um, something or, you know, teaching a dog a command, quote unquote, a trick, um, is not as fulfilling as correcting a behavior. Correcting a behavior is when you know you're really at a level of competency um, for this breed that you need to be at. If you can modify behavior. Because anybody can teach a command, especially to a smart dog like a Cane Corso. But 
do you have enough rapport and trust established with your dog where he trusts or she trusts you to the utmost where you it will perform that command under stress under duress with lots of stimulus that's when you that that's the difference between understanding a command and modifying the behavior and i did not really i mean i knew that in theory but i really didn't understand it at this level when i first got romulus Because when you have a high drive dog, anytime that you can, like I posted a a video on Facebook and I I believe I did on Instagram this morning, a couple different videos showing Romulus's impulse control. And why I posted it is because it's taken a long time to get him where he doesn't lunge after, like there was a gaggle of turkeys at the park And then there's another one I posted just this morning where there's a rabbit literally six feet from him. um, And all he had to do is run through his dog door to chase the rabbit. And and he stayed there. I didn't give him a command. I didn't tell him anything. And that's why I posted that one is because it's not just training at that point. He has modified his behavior to he wanted to chase it, but he knew that that wasn't the thing to do. He chose not to. Because step one is getting them to understand the command. Okay? Sit, stay, heal. And then they hear that and they do it. They understand that, hey, this person wants me to do this. Okay? That's step one, getting to understand. Step two is the verifying. Okay? You are confirming or denying that they know it by them actually doing it correctly. So that confirmation of that by them executing it properly with perfect timing. That's step two, okay? Step three is to be able to replicate that over and over and over again through repetition. Step four is for them to it not be something that they're thinking about. It becomes almost instinctual. That's the behavior modification. When it's instinctual, There's certain things that your dog does that you never trained it to do because it's instinct to do it. And if you can get your training to the point where it just understands that at that level, it's not having to stop and kind of think about it. It's just instinctually doing it because it knows, for instance, every time we get to a crosswalk or we're about to cross street, your dog sits down because you've gone over it a thousand times. And it just knows you didn't even have to give it a command. It knows to sit. And look up at you. I'm not saying Romulus is there because we I, we don't necessarily practice that. I make him sit, but he's not. He doesn't. You know, I still have to tell him to sit. But what I'm saying is, you can definitely get a dog to the point where it's so proficient at something, it's hardwired. But that only happens through consistency, good timing, understanding, training, good trainers. You know, consulting professionals and you being able to apply it and you replicating it and practicing it every single day. And you can get there. And so it was a big victory because Romulus had terrible impulse control. He was very impulsive. And it is a normal thing for a dog that is has high drive. And he has a high prey drive. That's the thing. Some dogs don't have a high prey drive, so trying to get them not to chase something is easy because they don't really want to anyway. My bulldog, for instance, does not have a prey drive. He doesn't want to chase things. He doesn't. It's not his thing. My old bulldog that I had that that that's passed, um, that passed, uh, you know, a couple years ago. He he had a high prey drive as well. And so, if something triggers whatever that drives them. And to get them to choose on their own not to do that. And I and I use the word choose. It's not really the right word. Because it's, like I said, it's hardwired, instinctual thing. Because it's through repetition. And that's the next thing, uh, mistake that people make. Um, is they anthropomorphize their, their dogs. 
And what I mean by anthropomorphize, that means they, they, they give them human traits and characteristics. And, and we are, I'm speaking to other human beings, at least far as I know, through these, this microphone. And so I will use certain terms like my dog decided not to do something. And it's not the same thing. A dog does not decide the same way a human does. But I use that terminology so the person that's receiving the information understands. But it's, when you're dealing with dogs, it's almost like we need a separate language because love doesn't mean love. Um, you know, decision doesn't mean decision. You know, there's certain things like instinct, like drive, uh, trust and loyalty that are that are pretty much universal. But there's certain traits that we put on our dogs that are human traits that that's not that's not fair to do because that is not the dog. If a dog bites you, people always think, well, I wouldn't just hit somebody unless I didn't like them. Why would they bite me if they love me? They don't love me. Um, or they snapped at me or they growled at me. And you're because you're not understanding, you're putting your human emotions and you're taking it personal. But a dog is instinctual and it's a pack animal. And you took them out of the pack, but that pack mentality is still bred over a thousand generations of your dog, depending on what type of breed. You know, if it's a Labradoodle, it's a couple generations. <laughs> but if it's something like a Cane Corso, the lineage of Cane Corsos goes back a long time. Now, I understand there's a lot of people that uh, want to give, throw shade at, at uh, breeds of dog. There is no pure breed. You know, listen, <sighs> hear what I'm saying. Their instincts are hardwired, okay? And it's a very ancient hardwiring that are in most Cane Corsos. And so certain dogs like Huskies and, and, and German Shepherds and there's there's certain traits are just kind of hardwired into the brain, right? So when you put those human characteristics, it's it's not really fair to the dog. And that's the next mistake I want to talk about is people they internalize things and said this dog did this, I take it personal, I got to get rid of the dog, not understanding that that's not what the dog was saying to you. You got to learn to speak the dog's language. And it's hard for a lot of people because back to the first thing I said, the why that they got the dog was for lacking maybe of certain personal things in their life and they want that dog to take the place of maybe things and emotions and feelings they should be getting from another human being. They don't get it, so they want to get it from their dog. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is, you need to know where the, to draw the line because the, you take shit a little too personal. And I've seen this in my own life. I've seen it, my wife do it. I've seen it with other loved ones where they take things personal that their dog does. And that's not how dogs, it's, it's, it's always needs-based, okay? It's, it's not, they, they don't care that... Um, what you're thinking necessarily like for instance human beings are like for instance oh valentine's day is coming up or my wife's birthday or our anniversary i gotta get this i'm not feeling like i want to get this for my wife but i know if i don't she's gonna feel bad so the whole reason i'm doing it is so she doesn't feel bad but that's the only reason i'm doing it a dog isn't going to do that for you in the same way that they're having a need and and an instinct to either uh, act a certain way towards you based on their needs and not always yours. And a lot of it has to deal with how they see you, no matter if they see you as the pack leader or a pack member or outside the pack, but it's not personal, okay? That's the way a dog will try to bite somebody and then 10 minutes later, through proper handling and 
and uh, socialization, that dog will be wagging its tail, loving that person and licking their face because it's not personal. They just, they, they didn't go, I didn't like the way that person looked. It was an instinctual thing of they see a threat, they react, that's it. I hear people say, I think my dog is racist because it barks only at black people. Um, well, I hate to say this. This is a bad thing to say, but there's a lot of truth to it. A dog sometimes is a conduit of our own emotional state and it picks up on certain things. And if you're kind of apprehensive around black people or tall people or men or whatever, your dog eventually will pick up on that. And I'm not saying that this is a 100% true, okay? So don't take it as that. What I'm saying is it's a little bit true. (laughs) If you find somebody that their dog only barks at black people, look at the owner and there might be a reason. That dog acts like that. That's all I'm saying. Or that woman that hasn't had a date in 10 years and that dog is apprehensive toward men, okay? Like I said, it's not 100%, but what I'm saying is that's that's what our dogs are, is they're kind of a conduit. They, they read our body language, our emotions, and they react accordingly. So if you understand, if you do your research and you really try to understand dog behavior and not try to make that, always equate it to human behavior, then you might not take things so personal and you understand the language that you're speaking to the dog in and you're going to have better results because you're not equating or you're not putting this baggage on this dog because a dog is not a person. I love dogs and I've said before I love dogs more than people. I'm be honest. Um, I lo- I rather a million times over be around my dogs all day than, than any single person besides my wife. You know, my wife's the one one exception to the rule. But I got friends, I got family that I love, but I'd rather be around my dogs. I speak that language and I'm more comfortable with that language. I'm not as comfortable with the needs and baggage that come with relationships of people. I'd rather have the baggage that comes with relationships with dogs, to be honest with you. So if you understand that, So let's back all the way up. If you understand the why you want the dog, you do your research, you understand your own capabilities, and then you figure out how to speak in that dog's language, and you're willing to put in the work and persevere through the hard times, and you're not going to give up, and you're going to be that strong pack leader. And if you need help, you're going to seek a professional and you're going to get as much advice as you can. And you're going to apply certain things that you learn through experience and, and, and build on those things. Then 100% guarantee you will be a successful dog owner slash trainer slash whatever. You will be a great pack leader. For a Connie Corso or a plethora of other dogs. So as long as you're doing that, and and let me ease your tension if you're listening to this right now going, oh no, I have a six-month-old Connie Corso and I didn't do any of those things and I'm so, oh, I made a huge mistake. Er, Pump the brakes. Do you love that dog? Are you committed to that dog? Are you willing to put in the work? Say no more. Start over. Do your research, figure out the why, speak the dog's language, be persistent, be consistent, be a strong pack leader, rinse and repeat, you're going to be good. Yeah, you might have to overcome some things. I had to, um, in the beginning, I, I talk a lot on this podcast about the biggest mistake I made is, is having my dog around another untrained dog, uh, my bulldog, and realizing that a lot of his bad behaviors was because of 
not understanding the hierarchy that I was changing with bringing a new dog and not implementing certain control measures, structure, and discipline across the board. You can't just do it to one dog. You got to do it. The Everybody in the pack has to be on the same page. And when I say everyone in the pack, that means other dogs in your house too, as well as family members, kids, wife, husband, whatever. Everybody's got to be on the same sheet of music. And once I learned that, I just had to redo some stuff. I had to focus on training that bulldog, making sure that the same standards apply to both dogs, understanding the hierarchy, meaning that just because you had the same standards doesn't mean that you don't understand that, hey, this dog I greet first, this dog I feed first, this dog... Um, you know, there's certain things that I have to give this dog and certain things I have to give this dog and understand that there's a, there is a hierarchy. There's always going to be a hierarchy. Okay. And don't confuse the dogs. The worst thing you can do is convince a dog. That's not a, a, that's a lower pack member and convince them that they're a higher pack member because trust me, they're going to work it out and you're not going to like it. So my, my point is it's not too late, but you got to be dedicated. You got to rededicate yourself. And so when I watch that show on Netflix and I uh, see those, those people that that guy's helping, they, they know nothing about dogs. And a lot of them have like pit bulls and stuff like that. I mean, that's a normal thing. Why do you think that on most of these training videos that you watch, no matter if it's Caesar Milan or it's anything else, it's always these high drive dogs like pit bulls that people get into trouble with. It's rarely a golden retriever or a beagle or something like that. It's always some dog that has a high drive or it's been abused or something like that. Because if if you have any chinks in your armor, if you have any flaws in your behavior analysis or your training methods, those dogs will exploit them. So that's why people say, be careful getting these breeds over here if you don't know what you're doing because these breeds over here are kind of for your novices because kind of plug and play, anybody can do it. And even if you screw it up, the dog's not going to be a hot mess, you know, biting people and killing other dogs. But these dogs over here, good luck if you don't know what you're doing. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's why you got to stop and say, am I getting a dog to challenge myself if I'm really wanting to put this much work into my dog ownership experience? If the answer is no, then then you should probably avoid a Connie Corso. Because it doesn't mean that Connie Corso is really going to be that hard, but you should expect it to be. Because if you're looking for the best case scenario, what happens when it's not? So you got to be careful about that because a Connie Corso there's a different kind of responsibility with a dog like it, like a Connie Corso. You want to know why? It's because when it goes bad, it can go really bad. And when you give that dog up for adoption or you bring it to a shelter, the chances of someone adopting that dog for the right reasons are slim to none. That dog is at a huge disadvantage. Especially... If they deem it to be, well, a Connie Corso, I, I promise you this. Most Connie Corsos, if you take them to a shelter and put them in a cage and don't give it uh, any leadership or attention and you just go, okay, I'm just going to put it in the shelter for a month, it's going to revert back to its instinctual self and it's going to be a hot mess. It's going to be very hard to adopt that dog. That's why I say it's a huge responsibility because when I go to these websites that have um, Connie Corsos for you to adopt and you see where they extremely dog aggressive, somewhat people aggressive, needs this, needs I always think in the back of my head, man, if they're putting that on there, it must be really bad for one. And two, depending on how old they are, man, that's that's a, not that they can't be taught, but it's going to take a special person to take that on. I would a million times over if if I was a single guy and my wife because my wife that's that's not her her jam but I would I would love to to have that challenge in the right environment 
if I had a block of time where I didn't have to go to work, I didn't, I could dedicate to rehabilitating that dog. It would be, um, it would be a great learning experience for me and it would be very fulfilling, but most people don't have that kind of time, energy, or desire to do that. They want a dog from a shelter that's kind of plug and play. I hate to say it. Most people that get dogs from a shelter are like that. They're not wanting to fix a dog. They're, they're, they're a lot of times, you know, dogs, why we run into so many problems. Um, the reason why we have so many full shelters is because people get dogs because of their, they're a hot mess and they get a dog for their needs and it, and they don't see it as a two way street because, you know, when you get into a relationship with another human being, which relationships never work. It's when one person is saying, I need something, but I'm not willing to give something. I want someone to come fix me, but I'm not willing to give a piece of myself. No, the relationships that work is when I'm ready to receive love and I'm ready to give love. Well, it's no different when you get a dog. If you're not willing to give the love and only receive the love, and when I say love, remember I was talking about dogs speaking in a different language. Love for a dog is different, okay? Affection for a dog is different. They view it different. What a dog needs isn't you laying on top of it, kissing its face. Some dogs might pretend that they like that. And you might say, well, my dog loves that. No, there's certain things they like to interact with you about, but it, they're not, it's not the same thing. They're not thinking of it in the same way. Dogs like to be pet. They like to be stroked. They like to be near you. They like to have that companionship. They like a lot of that stuff. But a lot of times we're putting our needs on the dog and, and we will convince ourselves that that's also what the dog wants and the dog's just a really good dog and just tolerating it. A dog wants are not the same as a human's wants and the needs list is much longer. Okay? So it breaks my heart to see those dogs in those shelters and especially dogs like pit bulls and Connie Corsos and, and dogs that look mean, quote unquote, you know, because they, it, it's harder to, to get them. You know, I saw the other day, this Connie Corso, it was like seven or eight years old, already getting gray around the muzzle and needing to be adopted out. And it's like, man, that dog's never going to get adopted. No, who's, who's going to take that on? And obviously I might be wrong, but my point is that it's it's heartbreaking to know that those dogs, because there's no stray Cane Corsos. They came from somebody, purchased those dogs more than likely and couldn't handle them. Why? Because they did not do those steps. They did not get them for the right reasons. They made an impulse decision and it bit them in the butt. <laughs> Maybe even literally. So do me a favor is when you are making your next decision or you have family and friend that make these decisions, help them. Because if you're like me, if you're truly, truly a dog lover and they are part of your life and you are part of theirs and that's just the way it's going to be until the end of time, then help the people that are, I call the casuals. And there's a lot of casuals out there that have dogs. There's nothing wrong with that. You got to steer them toward the dogs that are for them. Okay. If you're someone that drives a car to work, you're not an enthusiast. There's certain cars you probably shouldn't own. Okay. You don't need a first generation Dodge Viper. If you're using your car to drive around in the rain and it's some old lady just going to the grocery store, probably don't need that. <laughs> so you probably shouldn't advise your old granny to buy a first-generation Dodge Viper that doesn't even have traction control or stability control or anti-lock brakes for that matter. No, you should get them something that has high safety ratings, good fuel economy, lots of visibility, lots of, of nannies that tell you cross-lane traffic this and autonomous this and hell, some of them even park themselves now. Well, there's dog equivalents of those cars. 
And I'm not saying a Cane Corso is a first generation Viper, <laughs> but it's probably like a second generation Viper, <laughs> which if you, for you non-car people, the second generation had anti-lock brakes, <laughs> but still didn't have stability or traction control. So my point is that you got to know what you're getting into. And me personally, I'm a car guy. I would love a first generation Viper. I, I would love knowing that there was nothing there to save me. And so I got to respect that car and I got to make sure to, to, to be on my P's and Q's when I'm driving that thing because it can get away from you real quick. Same thing with the Cane Corso. Every time I walk my Cane Corso, no matter how good my training is, no matter how you see the videos that I put up on Instagram and Facebook and how controlled he looks, in the back of my mind, I know what that dog's capable of and I always have to know and, and have those control measures and be ready to make a correction, um, to modify, to just be aware and not just be in my own head just thinking I can just, you know, I, I run into people all the time in my town that are running with their dog off the leash. And, you know, they, they, uh, they we have leash laws and I get mad when these people have their dog off the leash and they say, well, I can control my dog. You're just mad because you can't control yours. And I go, yeah, but your dog thinking that your dog's in control is going to make my dog want to be out of control or someone else's dog, not necessarily mine. And I don't say this to people. I'm just saying if I was to have a conversation with these people, they don't realize that their dog's amped up energy might set off another dog that isn't as well-trained or it doesn't have those personality traits or so on and so forth. Hence the reason why you want everyone to kind of be playing by the same rules. Me personally, that is my number one goal with Romulus, and he does a fantastic job that I cannot control other people's dogs, so I have to control mine. I never, ever assume anyone has any training other dogs. And I challenge everybody to go to the dog park or just go to a park that there's frequenting, frequenting, yeah, frequented, by a lot of dog owners walking their dogs and just pay attention. And you'll notice if you know anything about training and and dog behaviors, you'll see how many people know nothing about their dogs because you see their dog's mannerisms, their body language, how the dog is walking them, they're not walking it, so on and so forth. And you see how many people don't know what they're doing. Much like when you go out driving, there's so many people don't know how to drive. So you have to be a a defensive driver, right? When you're teaching your kids how to drive, be a defensive driver. That's what kind of dog owner you have to be, especially with a Cane Corso, where you say, my dog has to be five times as trained as this person's dog because when their dog gets out of control, it's just hyper and it's annoying, but my dog gets out of control, something bad could happen. I need to have control of my dog at all times. That is the burden of responsibility when you have a large breed dog of, of any kind, not just a Cane Corso. I mean, in my opinion, you should be like that. You should have that mindset when you have a Labrador. Any, any dog that's over 20 pounds, you should probably have that mentality. And you should, you know, to be honest, you should always have that mentality. I'm just saying, if you can't just pick up your dog and, and, and control it, I can't just pick up my Cane Corso and put it in the car. He ain't getting in the car if he didn't want to, <laughs> you know? So I got to make sure that, you know, he's trained so he wants to, right? Okay, I kind of went on a rant and babbling. Um, you know, this podcast was a little all, all over the place, but every once in a while, I like to crack the mic and just kind of, and just and just talk about some of the things that I'm running into, some of the things I'm thinking about, some of the things that uh, concern me or uh, that I'm working on, because I know if I have those thoughts, maybe some other people are having those thoughts too. But, you know, to wrap it on up, just be, if you guys are responsible and you're dedicated to your dogs, don't let anybody convince you that you can't handle it. As long as you understand the responsibility, what handling it means, being the best trainer you can, be the best owner you can, get the most information, be dedicated all those things that I said before, and you're going to be fine. Just don't give up, okay? Don't throw in the towel on your dog and your potential, you know, if your dog's like mine, my dog's really my best friend. Next to my wife, my dog's my best friend. So 
I'm not going to ever give up on my best friend. I don't care what happens. So have that level of dedication and you guys will be fine. Okay? You, you will be. But just help other people understand what they're getting into with whatever dog that they're getting. And if you're like me, I'm a fan of a lot of different breeds. I've, I find dog breeds interesting. It's uh, their characteristics. I'm constantly, you know, watching media about different dog breeds. I mean, that's how I came across the Cane Corso. I was a big fan of the Cane Corso long before I ever got one. Most people are. So if you know something about a certain breed, help people so they understand what they're getting into. Because if you know what you're getting into, just like when I was using that analogy of the first generation Viper, you're, it's not going to surprise you and you're fine with it because you know why you got it. You know the why behind why you got that first generation Viper. But if you have a first generation Viper and no one told you that that's what it was, you're going to be, you're going to be in trouble and you're probably going to be upset and you're probably going to want to make a different choice. So as long as people know what they're getting into, then you got a chance. Okay. And help people. That's, that's our responsibility as responsible dog owners. So thank you guys for listening. As always, um, I got great listeners that interact with me. I have a lot of um, flipping idiots though on Facebook. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to like beat around the bush anymore with these people. I can't tell you how many times I sent out an ad uh, on Facebook and people think I'm a, I'm a breeder. When it says, the very first line of my ad says, the Cane Corso experience is a podcast for Cane Corso owners. That's what it says. The very first freaking line. And people just literally text. And they don't say, hey, my name is Johnny. Um, I would like a puppy. No, they say, puppy, how much? Dog, how much? Male, how much? And I'm like, who the hell does that? I was like, can you people not read? Just because you see a picture of a Connie Corsa doesn't mean I'm a freaking breeder. And obviously they don't listen to this podcast because they don't think it's a podcast. So I'm not worried about offending these idiots anymore. And they're idiots. Read the freaking ad. I've never once seen the ad, an ad for, let's say, a, a tennis shoe and me uh, Instagram message that tennis shoe company going, uh, do you have uh, uh, any engine blocks? <laughs> I mean, or better yet, uh, do you repair shoes? Oh, no, you just sell shoes. I thought you repaired them. You know, it's like, read the freaking ad. Are people that stupid? Yes, that was rhetorical. Don't answer that. Okay, that's my little rant for the day. Um, But seriously, though, the people that interact with me that are actual listeners, I got great listeners. They ask great questions. Um, like I said, I'm no expert, but I know that we're a community and community help one another. It's not about finding, um, you know, who knows what I can learn from you guys. You guys can learn from me. That's what a community is. And that's what I'm trying to build. So, uh, spread the word. If you know people that are interested in this breed or just interested in dog training in general or dog behaviors or just life with a dog, you know, dog enthusiast is, is, is people that I'm looking to connect with. Okay. The Cane Corso X on Instagram, the Cane Corso Experience on Facebook. And until next time, be kind to man's best friend. Peace.